Hello, this is Mark Almagro, Editor-in-Chief of Portfolio Magazine. This is the Portfolio Podcast presented by YPO, Young President's Organization. YPO is the global leadership community of more than 30,000 chief executives in 142 countries who are connected by the shared belief that the world needs better leaders. Hello, welcome to the Portfolio Podcast, and we have Wendy Chen, who is in Australia. Uh, It's going to be an interesting topic because in a few days, we're going to celebrate International Women's Day. Some people say celebrate International Women's Day. Some people say observe International Women's Day. In 2021, International Women's Day had the theme, Women in Leadership Achieving an Equal Future in a COVID-19 World. In 2022, it was gender equality for a sustainable tomorrow. And this year, it's digital or digital, innovation and technology for gender equality. We are very lucky to have, of course, uh, Wendy with us. She is the head of OmniStream, which she will uh, tell us about. And uh, I am just guessing that you're... uh, somebody who supports technology and STEM and education of girls and the children in in STEM. Hello, Wendy, welcome. Thank you very much, Mark. Yeah, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, definitely. I support everyone following their passions and fulfilling their potential, whether that be men or women in STEM. But I've had such a, I mean, I studied engineering at Waterloo and I've had a great career in tech and math. So yeah, it's definitely been rewarding for me and I- A living proof. A living proof that women can do anything that they want to do. Yeah, I don't know if I'm a proof of that, but um, I hope (laughs) at least directionally correct. Okay, why don't we start with OmniStream? Uh, Tell us about the history, the core business achievements, and of course, the growth plans. We started in Singapore in uh, 2018 with the mission of making consumers' lives better. But we realized that there's many ways to do that. So we actually went about it from the perspective of improving enterprise processes. So what OmniStream does as a core business, we automate store level planning. So we help your local grocery store chains, we help your convenience chains do a lot better planning at the store level. Every store is a different size. It caters to different consumer set. Mm -hmm. And it should carry very different products because you might be coming back from school. You might be going to the hospital. That type of granular planning actually has substantial impact on waste of the store, uh, profitability of store, Uh, and happiness to the consumer. So yeah, we use a lot of different types of automation. So we use dynamic optimization. We use traditional machine learning. We use a lot of different types of statistics to derive that outcome. So yeah, I work with a lot of engineers and I'm very fortunate to have a very lovely team split between Singapore and Australia. The next thing that I want to find out is your background, education, training, professional history, passions. I think I started doing my first quote unquote code review when I was like seven. So my dad was a computer science PhD in the very early stages of the industry. So I mm. kind of grew up around these DOS computers in these computer science labs. Mm. So I was always interested in how do you create something just from digital bits and bytes? How do you actually create like these little Pac-Man games? 
So from the very, very early days, I was already kind of thinking about like, what's the difference between object-oriented programming, functional programming? And I kind of followed <laughs> that. Yeah, it's, it was a very abnormal childhood, I guess. So I got and interested very early. And an early start, of course, is uh, beneficial. Yeah, uh, definitely. It didn't seem abnormal to me. Like no matter how male dominated my class was, none of it ever seemed strange. Like it always felt familiar. Mm. Was there Barbie somewhere in your in your childhood? Was there a, a doll or a favorite kind of like what we would say girly thing, girly toys when you were growing up? I don't think childhood should be that attributed to like gender specific toys. Mm. So I had Barbie dolls and um, obviously I like my fashion and my makeup um, even now. And I had my automated Lego set or what were those things called? the mechatronics Lego sets. So I had a big variety of toys. Um, I just preferred playing with the Lego sets than the Barbie dolls. But, you know, when my teenage girl or my, um, you know, 12-year-old friends came over, we would just sit around like a bunch of 12-year-old girls and we would play with our Barbie dolls. And when did this interest in, uh, you know, more technical things or, you know, computing, computing and uh, STEM kick in? Oof very early age. I don't even remember if there was like a precise moment, but I remember my dad used to make video games, like custom video games for me to learn. For you. Yeah. Like we moved to Canada. I was learning English as my second language. I was not confident of my vocabulary. So he created this little wheel of fortune game because I like that show. Um, And then I had my own little personal wheel of fortune tutor. Um, Yeah. So I've always had this like fondness. That is so cool. Yeah. And then I wanted to build my own games as I got older. And then I really like strategy games. So like that passion never really left. And kind of like what we're chatting about uh, earlier, I I really liked my Lego set. And it was so interesting Mm. because I remember being this Asian kid and I was like, no, I need to follow the rules. I need to open up this like Lego instruction kit. I need to build exactly what it tells me. Um, If it tells me I'm building this like robot, with like wheels I'm going to build this robot with wheels and then as I got older I was like no like screw this this is not fun I want (laughs) to build like I want to use the lidar things that come with it I want to you know make it follow a road I want to like make it shoot things at my dog so you know that like that whole creativity um Mm -hmm. I realized that it actually became engineering and stem became really fun when I actually unleashed the creativity side of it it's like okay I'm not going to follow these these instruction books I'm not going to follow this like coding manual that tells mm. me how to do something. I'm just going to hack around and build what I want to build. And I'm just going to have as much fun and creativity as possible. I think that's when I really like started loving the industry and realizing that, hey, even if I don't end up practicing as an engineer, I love studying as an engineer. So I think like in my mind, that came pretty early on. Mm. And uh, when time came for you to go to to college and pursue a specific uh, STEM. How did that happen? I went to Waterloo. So it's a university in Canada, in Ontario. My dad went there as well, but it's very well known, at least in that region, for its engineering co-op program. Mm. Now, uh, I was a poor kid. So like, in you know, in the US and in Canada, tuition is not cheap. It's uh, quite expensive, and Mm -hmm. I didn't really know how I was going to put myself through college. So there were very few engineering programs that actually had co-op programs. Co-op program means that every four months, you go out to industry, you take an internship, it's paid, and you can use that money to pay off your tuition. Mm -hmm. 
So picking which school, it was already kind of limited. And Waterloo had a really great reputation, both for academics, so more on the research side. They have professors with Nobel Prizes, and they're also known for being very pragmatic. They have a lot of startups coming out of there. Um, the co-op program is like, you can try anything. They have all sorts of employers. So I was so excited in high school yeah. to actually go to Waterloo, even though it was my hometown. And did your father have any influence on your choice? Did he kind of like nudge you towards a specific direction? Um, well, he was deceased by the time I went to university. Oh, okay. He was quite young, but all being surrounded by his PhD work. Yeah. Being surrounded by all that code he made for me, like certainly that had an influence. It's to me and my family, it was just normal. Well, I can imagine. Now, um, I just want to cite a UNESCO report mm. uh, very briefly. It's a groundbreaking UNESCO report. It's called Cracking the Code, Girls and Women's Education in STEM. It says only 35% of STEM. This was uh, released last year, by the way. Only 35% of STEM students in higher education globally are women, and differences are observed within STEM disciplines. Only 3% of female students in higher education choose information and communication technologies, ICT studies. The gender disparity, of course, is alarming, according to the review, given that STEM careers are often re referred to as the jobs of the future, driving innovation, social well-being, inclusive growth, and sustainable development. Now, you know, from the get-go, we realized that if women or girls are deprived of this opportunity to be on the STEM uh, stream, then they might be losing certain opportunities to do well. Is yeah, this uh, something that you, you kind of like observe and... and uh, Notice to be true? Well, facts are facts. So my anecdotal stories aren't really going to compensate for facts, right? I'm going but to let's hear it. I, I, I'm, I'm very interested to, to hear. I definitely believe it because we do have more trouble hiring women for certain roles than men. Mm. So I certainly believe that the talent pool, it's probably mostly comprised of men. Now, um, what I find kind of interesting when I went through, not only did I go through engineering school, I then went into a quant trading career in Wall Street in New York, which is, <laughs> I think okay. that ratio of men is even higher than engineering school. Um, and it can be a really uncomfortable environment. So I can understand why women choose not to go into that environment. Mm. But at Uncomfortable the same time, how? Uh, you're, well, you're the only woman in the room. And okay. then people constantly underestimate you. I mean, I'm five foot three, I'm not very tall. Um, I'm quite, I'm quite petite. So it, I don't look like my colleagues. I don't look like my engineering colleagues. Mm. Um, yeah, just, I constantly got underestimated. People would ask me if I was a secretary. Um, it's just, you have, yeah. you have to take it with like good humor, it can, right? It can like, be a oh. harsh environment though. But you can flip it the other way. It's like, oh, they, maybe they think I'm the secretary because like, I don't know, secretaries are pretty. You can tell yourself sports <laughs> You can just like lie to yourself and tell yourself all sorts of funny stories. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. You can either be offended and like give up on something that matters, or you can just like joke about it in your head, right? <laughs> yes. So I kind of, I used to be offended when I was younger and I used to be very angry about things like that. And then I just kind of started laughing about it and be like, oh, I take it as a compliment that you think I'm the secretary. Mm. So yeah, 
over the years, both in engineering school and working on Wall Street, I think those two little hacks kind of helped me get through a lot of that discomfort. Well, of course, you have organized teams here and in Australia. Uh, any differences in terms of uh, availability of uh, female talents in STEM? Do you do you I, find more here or in Australia? Yeah, um, I only know anecdotal evidence. Mm. Uh, sadly, we don't have, I don't have the statistics off the top of my head. We do generally have an easier time recruiting women in Australia, but that could be a function of our own um, marketing and our own presentation. So I wouldn't read into that too much. Mm. Okay. Now, your interest in workplace diversity and equality, does it affect your hiring policy, for example? Do you ensure that uh, women are given equal opportunity as men when it comes to offering positions? Yeah, well, um, one of the most important engineering positions in our company is held by a woman, the head of research and development, which for a research and development company is pretty mm. important. Now, um, it's maybe it's controversial, but I don't think equality is the right word because Equality implies that everyone gets the same things. Equity yeah. is probably a better word because people should get what they need. Some ah, people, yeah, that's, that's, that's a very good idea. Yeah, like if you're if you need a taller chair to see above a wall, then you should get a taller chair. If mm. you you know need a rope to climb the wall, then you should get a rope. Like those two are yeah. very different things. Yeah, um, giving. Yeah, it's like asking a giraffe to climb a tree if you're talking about equality. Yeah. Yeah, I I tend to, I want to think about things as equity. So if we have talented women who need a few hours off to go deal with childcare or a few hours off to deal with family obligations, so long as it's communicated and it doesn't conflict with the role or, you know, expectations from their colleagues, that's fine with us. So we're very supportive of that type of work in certain roles. There's obviously some roles which that cannot be catered to because your customer's calling you between those hours. Mm. But yeah, that's why I think it's really important to have a policy around equity. Like what is it that the employee expects from you? What do you expect from them? And can it be worked out? Like at a pay scale, which I think is something that people often think about for yes. our full-time employees, like same job, same hours, same commitment. It is very equal in our company. I mean, we're small, mm. we're still a startup, but where the disparity, uh, disparity comes is for the part-time workers or people who ask for more paid leave or you know just yeah. other concessions, right? So, so man or woman in that position. Exactly. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman asking for leave or asking for lighter workload or asking for fewer hours per week, right? This is what equity is about, making sure that every employee gets what it is that they need to be successful. I'll be honest, there are some situations where we cannot cater to a circumstance because we're a startup, but we're also very upfront about that. We will do and support what we can, where mm. it makes sense. And we hope that you can give as much as you can to the company if we give you as much as we can, right? So it's, it's like a relationship. You just have to be quite open and honest about expectations. Mm. The world needs better leaders. Become one at YPO. For over 70 years, YPO built a trusted community where chief executives connect to solve both personal and professional problems together. 